Hello, Brian speaking. Hi, Brian. This is Annie. How are you? For our series of episodes on Indigenous veterans, we wanted to explore the Métis perspective. We spoke on the phone with Brian Black, president of the Métis Nation of Ontario Veterans Council. Brian is a veteran himself, as he served in the Royal Canadian Navy. So let's hear what he has to say. Brian Black, thank you for accepting to chat with us today. Before we get into the questions, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, certainly. I, um, in the late 80s, I was uh, living in Vancouver. Uh, I was working in the lumber industry. And uh, then I ended up getting laid off. And uh, that night I was out at the, the, the beach with some of my friends and thinking about what I'm going to do next. And I was watching some uh, ships sailing into the port and realized that, you know, now was the time for uh, my career on the water. So I joined the uh, Royal Canadian Navy on, uh, in January of 1990. And uh, just under a year later, I uh, sailed to the Persian Gulf for the uh, Persian Gulf War. Where I earned uh, the Gulf Kuwait Medal after um, that deployment, which uh, was the first time a Canadian Navy vessel has uh, circumnavigated the globe in about wow. 40 years. I sailed uh, again from Victoria um, around uh, North America through the Panama Canal up into the Caribbean to uh, the uh, UN embargo for UN peacekeeping uh, in Haiti. At this deployment, I left my regular trade and I joined the uh, naval ship's boarding team where we boarded many vessels, inspecting them for contraband and in accordance to uh, the UN sanctions that were happening. And then after I left the service, I uh, started work for a global inspection certification company doing uh, cargo inspections and, and uh, participated in a few global efforts to improve uh, safety and efficiencies for global inspections and wow. cargo safe, safety. Uh, and cur currently, on top of my uh, position as president of the Métis Nation of Ontario Veterans Council, I'm working for a fiberglass manufacturing company where I manage the uh, project's estimating group. Wow. Um, I'm married, and I have a one 10-year-old son. So what about this uh, Métis Nation of Ontario Veterans Council organization? Can you tell us a bit about what you do there? The council is, uh, there's six people on the council, and we are spread out through Ontario. Ontario is a pretty big province. We have yes. uh, representatives down in in Windsor, and then all the way east into uh, Trenton, and then we go up north, uh, in like North Bay area, there's some in Barrie, and then, and I'm sort of local in the general uh, Toronto area. And uh, we support our our veterans, our, like our Métis veterans. Like there's all sorts of different difficult difficulties with uh, with Métis veterans when uh, when we come home. A little bit different than um, uh, First Nations uh, veteran, because First Nations veterans would come back to their reservation where their family is. Where Métis, um, we do not have land um, except for in Alberta. They have. Some, set, some settlements there, but that's a whole no, another story. But in, as a rule, in the rest of the homeland of Métis, we don't have reservations, so we're spread out throughout different communities. Mm -hmm. And when, um, when you're in, in the military, in the service, you are beside one another to when you go to sleep, when you yes. get up and, and, 
in the bathrooms and in the lunchroom and the dinner room and then cleaning and working all day like you're you're in each other's pockets all day long so once you've uh, been released from the service now you're home and you're alone you're not with somebody right beside you every second of the day when you're a, a Métis veteran you could be alone and then secluded in yes. up in up in the rural areas and stuff. And if you have any inner demons that you're working mm-hmm. against, um, that can be a recipe for disaster. Yes. So as, as as yes, exactly. And and as uh, for our council, we work to go and identify those people and make sure that you know if they need some help or some services that we can get that to them. Yeah, because we we still have veterans today like in in 2019 and you mentioned it when you introduced yourself you said you you served in the gulf war and when we were preparing for this you said that this war is often forgotten like people when thinking about veterans they think about world war one world war two and then it's all blurry and then afghanistan but nothing in between but your organization represents veterans who served in all those in-betweens and even today right so uh, would you say it's important that we shift our idea of what a veteran is? Um, well, I don't, I, I don't know if... Uh, I, I think the, the, if you change the question a little bit, like sure. a veteran is a veteran, and there's a, there's a definition of a, what a veteran is. Um, but I think in the general public knowledge, when you say a veteran, we automatically think of a World War II, a World War I veteran. Right. We don't, it's the image we that don't comes think up. About, that, right. Yeah, correct. You know, and... And as as a Métis veteran, like Métis have been fighting for Canada from before there was even a Canada, like in, yes. from the War of eighteen twelve, um, and and other other um, sort of skirmish battles in that period. World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, and then you get into some UN uh, missions in Cyprus, in Bosnia, Rwanda, Golan Heights the Persian Gulf and now into Afghanistan and now we've recently sent some more troops back into into Africa you know mm-hmm. these and it's not going to end because that's Canada's nature is to help Absolutely. and to to serve to serve others so i think it's it's not that it should change i think it should be ever evolving that look of what it is and i think part of that is is because Um, in some of these other conflicts, they were very small. So your your veterans that were actually needing services, that number was small compared to how many needed services for World War II veterans. So they right. just sort of lump them into that that realm of that, and then all of a sudden, some of the the issues changed when you got into the uh, Afghanistan war, and then you realized. Oh well, you know now we got to make special programs for for them because it's so big and there's so many numbers of, of veterans that need help. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things that we always say is a veteran is a veteran is a veteran. So it doesn't matter what uh, conflict you were in, what rank you were, or where you were. You're all we're all compared equally, Absolutely. and and that uh, we all equally deserve the um, services that are available. Absolutely. So speaking of deserving services, we're recording this, uh, and you, if you've talked about the um, difficulties that people, you know, when they go, Métis veterans, when they go back home, they might be isolated, and they have different needs than maybe First Nations, I believe you said. So we're recording this in the fall of 2019, a few weeks only after the federal government 
formally apologized to the Métis veterans who served in World War II. I'm going to quote the apology itself, if you allow me. So, starting the quote. Um, looking back, it's clear that the pre- and post-Second World War experiences some Métis veterans faced may have may have negatively affected their successful reestablishment in civilian life following the Second World War. Many experienced prejudice, poverty, and a relative lack of pre-war education, voca vocational skills, and work experiences. We apologize that, that the benefits offered to the veterans after the war were not well designed to the Métis to meet the Métis veterans' specific needs, end of quote. The, the apology itself speaks about specific needs. I believe you were there in person when that apology was made. How was it for you? Why was this apology necessary? Um, you know, it was, it was very important, uh, and I'm very happy with the opportunity that I was able to be there. Um, the, the quote you had spoken was from... Uh, um, Lawrence uh, McCauley, who is the current Minister of uh, Veterans Affairs, yes. and um, we had some conversations with him after. It was very satisfying after all the efforts and work that we've done. The World War II veterans, uh, uh, they needed to be recognized and commem commemorated for that mistreatment that they received upon returning from World War II. I'm really looking forward to the consultation and the working with working with the uh, veteran committee that's going to be put together to keep this trust going on to help support our veterans. Um, it was this um, apology was necessary and way overdue. Uh, mm -hmm. The First Nations First Nations veterans had received their apology many years previous, and the the Métis veterans were disregarded uh, further and. If we accept it, and we're going to continue, and we're going to move on. He is talking about what are some of these specific needs um, that uh, we deal with today. Sorry, I just gave you a, a, a quick uh, briefing sure. earlier about about what, how what's different for a Métis veteran compared to a First Nation veteran because we don't have the reservations to come back through. So that extra need of identifying and getting out into the rural areas is was really needed you know and then as we're going forward we can use these this trust in helping our aging veterans in healthcare, home care mm -hmm. uh comfort comfort care um even uh, with stuff uh, with our youth elder care and and schooling you know and if it's as long as it's managed correctly um, this award could last a lifetime could mm -hmm. also open doors for um, other conversations with Veterans Affairs to show that there is um, no funding for for Métis veterans outside of, of Veterans Affairs that there's uh, tons of youth programs and tons of elders programs but nothing for veterans alone alone Métis veterans in, in all like it, it's been a it, it was uh, request for the government to apologize and to make um, a reconciliation with the World War II veterans that started back in the 50s. And it has gone, gone on and on and through government, wow. and through government, and through government. Even uh, if you go into the previous government before uh, the government's in now, the, the prime minister at that time had said that uh, as long as he's uh, prime minister, that there will never be any uh, reconciliation for uh, World War II Métis veterans. And like, where 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 does that seem right in anybody's mind of of where that mis mistreatment was so 
Um, like there could be many reasons for someone to to join the military. Uh, you know, universal reasons: call to adventure, some reg you know regular pay can be uh, appealing for some people. Following into friends and family's footstep. Were there any other reasons besides the you know attraction of a boat? <laughs> why why did you <laughs> why did you join? There's a, a couple different sides to, to to this question, and um, one of them is that um, you know this is our land, the Métis. We don't have any reserves, but we're all over Canada, and yes. I might I might even go as far as to say that the Métis are the actual first. Canadians that uh, are on this land because of our mixed heritage uh, with First Nations and, and the European settlers. So if there's anybody that's attacking us, then they that are attacking the, this land, then they'll be attacking us. Mm -hmm. So you'll find you'll find in history there's always been a huge amount of Métis and First Nation volunteers in service life, they serving others and serving serving others and serving our own communities. It's always been uh, another aspect of service life. Is you know, as you're following in family footsteps, and I do have family members that were in the service before this. But mainly, it's partying, It's wanting to be part of something that's bigger than yourself mm -hmm. to con contribute to be the betterment of our country. Um, you know, and it's just like the old uh, JFK say, uh, quote that says, "That's not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country." Um, and I think that that is getting lost, and I think that that message needs to come out more because everybody's looking at what the government should do for them, but they're not really doing anything for yeah. your country. Right. Well, it it makes I'm gonna say it makes more sense to me personally. While it, when you're explaining this, being from Quebec, being from French Canadian descent, uh, I mean I'm not gonna make any friends by saying this, but. My grandfather married so to avoid going to war, right? The French, some French Canadians were not particularly inclined to serve uh, a British king in a war. So <laughs> coming from that, my fr next question when I think about Métis or Indigenous people joining the militaries, you know, considering the colonial history in this country, why on earth <laughs> would Indigenous people want to serve this country in the military? But but yes, I guess those are universal reasons, and 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 it makes sense as you know for the Métis people as being first Canadians to want to you know protect this land. And when you switch that conversation uh, and say, well, why would you want to join the armed forces to to protect that company, that that country, you know, um, and you can say look at it one way or the another and i think my first nation brothers and sisters would agree with me that even though we have our our own sovereignty of our own um uh, first nation or metis when we finally get our our first uh, self-government agreement is that we're still living on the land and if there's something that needs to be protected on this land then we're right. still going to stand up and we'll be the first ones there to, to, to volunteer to stand up to protect. So we also spoke um, with John Moses for this podcast. Who, um, he works at the history, uh, the Museum of History in Gatineau. He, he explained to us the importance of wampum belts uh, and the importance in the uh, various indigenous cultures of honoring um, a verbal commitment, a verbal handshake, if you will. It is documented that promises were made by the federal government in exchange of, you know, serving in the military. 
and maybe maybe the apology was uh, that was recently made to the Métis veteran is a consequence of this. But would you say that that there was a culture shock for Métis and uh, men and women who served, like a culture shock, I guess, when joining the mi military, maybe, or or a culture shock shock when coming back to civilian life? Um, you know, I think um, in looking looking back in history um from like even the war of 1812 like the metis veterans and first nations um warriors that were in in those battles they were leading the front and if you um even look at the the battle of fort detroit back in in the war of 1812 the defeat of that fort was because they were afraid of all the first nations vet or first nations warriors that were going to come and were going to go there um, I think when when we also talk about joining the service, I think First Nations and Métis, um, we really get into, like, because of our lives, we are all together and we're a tight community. Yes. Um, in the military, you get in there and you already have that familiarity of what that's, what that's to be like. So um, I think when they get into the service, that's why we, we thrive and we, we run – um, I don't necessarily say run into battle, but we run, run into it and grasp onto it and and really take a hold of it. Um, when um, you know you can look at um, World War One and World War Two, there's there's some Métis veterans that were really heavily decorated uh, snipers that really made differences in battles. They have guys uh, like one of the best-known um, World War II uh, Indigenous veterans was uh, Tommy Prince, and he was really renowned and respected with everybody that he served with. But when he came back home, he didn't get that respect. He got mm. more the same disrespect as, as when before he left. I think that in itself is, is a whole different sad story that needs to be told more. But, you know, people that come back from those wars or the first nations guys that come back from those wars and they come back as sergeant major i don't know jones would say and he's respected but now he comes back here and then oh it's oh well, that's just mr jones from the reservation you know it, that lack of respect isn't there and then when they came back and then the uh, indian agents in the reservations say oh yeah they don't need all the uh all the services and um, support that's needed from veterans for when they return, they, they just sort of push that all away. So now they're sitting there without any support, with even a, a less self-worth. It's as if they're not, they're second-class soldiers or something, right? Yeah, exactly. Because uh, that, that man, Tommy Prince, I th it's not that he's one of the most decorated Métis veteran, he's one, he's one of the most decorated veterans, period, right? My last question, to you as um, be, being a veteran yourself, being the president of a, uh, an association of, of veterans, um, Métis veterans, um, what's the one thing that you want public servants or the general public to know that we might not know about the contribution of Métis men and women to the military? Um, you know, I, I think to, to know that we serve because um, we want to, not because it's the last choice before living on the street, but because we have a, a serving heart. 
Last year, I uh, spoke before the Standing Committee of, on Veterans Affairs, and they asked me a similar question. I said, you know, we as Métis do not want any special rec recognitions, awards, or, or pay, or a pat on the back, or anything other than uh, a general uh, any other veteran gets. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to be the we want to be the train. Sorry, we want to be treated the same, nothing more or nothing less. Because a veteran is a veteran. Correct. I want to thank you for your time. And I also want to thank you and your brothers and sisters in harms for your service to our country. Brian Black, thank you. Well, thank you, Megwitch. This podcast is a production of the Canada School of Public Service. To learn more about the school's offering in its Indigenous Learning Series, please visit our website at csps-efpc.gc.ca. This is Annie Leblanc, and on behalf of the school, thank you for listening. <laughs>